welcome to the Props Public Safety Podcast, where experienced firefighters discuss drone operations in public safety. Take flight, save lives, save service members. Hey, buddy. What's up, John? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And yourself? I am always good. If I was doing any better, you'd want to be me, John. That's, that's, <laughs> all right. I'm right. not even going to say it because, you know, I don't want to be hurtful in front of everybody. That's but okay. Welcome to another episode it's of Props Public Safety Podcast. You're John Wakey and I'm Mike Wall. <laughs> there you go. And if uh, Mike was doing a little bit better, maybe I'd be Mike Wall too. Yeah. Huh? Hit the gym. Good to go. Got a little run in. Just trying to stay less fat. So <laughs> Nice. I'm not trying to stay in shape. I'm just trying to stay less fat. Um, just finished eating a candy bar and drinking Red Bull, so we're good. <laughs> All right, you know, so what do we have today? Uh, today, I think we should discuss micro-training. Um, there's a lot of confusion that's going around, you know, with um, what is the difference of training versus micro-training, and how do you develop a micro-training curriculum or program or coordinator um and what is the main difference between standardized training for your department micro training and training that would be you know like generalized training like, yeah um, yeah so I, I i think a lot of people a lot of the departments and agencies they might be doing it already without even realizing it and correct. and now it's time to kind of focus all that and and bring it down so why don't we just talk about what micro training is, the importance of micro training, the importance of bringing it into your program, and why you should kind of separate your foundational training from those types of micro trainings. All right, excellent. But let's start with you gave a presentation at Drone Responders uh, right. Summit, and that's where you know micro training is kind of that's where you coined the term micro training. Yeah, which is something that, like you said, a bunch of departments are doing already. But let's give them um, a recap for those that don't know well, what that presentation was about. Okay. Um, let's start with that. And then we kind of fill them in and fill in the blanks and walk them through this whole process and help them understand micro training and how to utilize it to the best of their abilities with their public safety functions. Okay. So th that, that term micro training, like you said, it's it's been a, something that you and I have kind of tossed around the idea of actually trying to to name it and narrow it down. But I believe like back in 2019, I ended up going out to Airworks in California and I did, did a presentation out there. And one of the things that, that I brought up was the fact that departments need that foundational training, right? But each department, depending on your geographic area, your area of the country, has a unique skill set. So if you are operating in New York City, you might have a strong skill set in operating in the urban environment, right? Uh, now you go out to Cal Fire and they're doing wildland management. You go down to Southern Manatee down in Florida and they're dealing with a lot of hazmat. They're constantly on the edge of, of doing that hazmat response. Hurricane response and everything when you're looking at the Carolinas or out through Texas, um, or if you go out to Colorado and you're doing more search and rescue, so there are departments that have a core function that they do on a day-to-day -day basis. So where micro training comes into place is you get your broad training 
from, let's say, a third party outside of your department. Okay. And that's all your foundational training. That's how you fly correctly. That's how you, you know, you get everything, your your core foundational training down to a science from a third party outside of your department to push off liability from your department onto another um, third party training company. Once that's done, you come back into your program and you look at what you operate with on a day-to-day basis and you take those core operational trainings and you get the people that do it on a day-to-day basis to actually come up with the training, right? So in essence, you're getting trained by subject matter experts. People are doing it every day, right? And you can't get that through a third party, but you can get into your department. So the idea behind micro training really is having tight focused training on a specific incident within your department that you fly on a day-to-day basis. Perfect, an excellent way to describe it. So basically, Utilizing your core function of I am going to provide this mission objective with this type of equipment, utilizing this workflow with Correct. this amount of members specifically Correct. for this exercise. So Correct. and I and I brought up rescue. So I, I brought up during that that presentation, I brought up Hawaii, right? And if you go out to Kauai, Hawaii, they have um their their riptides are insane pretty dangerous area for riptide rescue, right? So you'll have foundational training that's done to get your your core elements of flight done through that third party. But then you're going to have very focused training on riptide rescue and how to operate in that specific environment for that specific incident. Um, And that's where micro training, micro meaning small and focused, macro meaning larger and broader. We don't even have, we haven't even talked about macro training. We should probably coin that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, macro training and- Is your general general overview training. training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we'll say search and rescue, because you mentioned that as a topic before in Colorado. So the way that I would do search and rescue in New York would be completely different than the way they would do search and rescue out in Colorado. Absolutely. And that is the main takeaway about micro-training. It allows the operators and the unit as a whole to focus their training on something that is completely 100% relative to their operation because their it is based yep. off of their trainings, their operation, their use case in their environment with their equipment and their resources. So macro-training might say, all right, well, here we go. We're going to discuss search and rescue as a whole broad topic. You could use, oh, no, this is applicable with any drone. It's system agnostic. Oh, this, this is what we would recommend. This is how we would do it. But they're not getting the core fundamentals of how to do it in that specific generalized area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that micro training for search and rescue is going to differ, like we mentioned, from New York to Colorado to California to, you know, Florida to, and so on and so forth, uh, as a whole, even though it's still search and rescue, just the little nuances uh, that you need and, to and the subtle nuance. Correct. It's those subtle nuances based on your operational area that you can't get when you do that that broad type of training that's that, that's thrown out there. And you need to kind of tailor those subtle differences to your program, and you need to make sure that your your pilots and your operators are doing that on the day-to-day operations. And that's only done through micro-training. Excellent. Now, how would a department or an entity 
to belt micro trainings. I know a lot of them are doing it now, but I want to definitely hit that on the head because the one thing that you don't want them doing is developing micro training that's inadequate or just downright wrong. No, no, but you have your so you have your core training elements already done through those third parties, right? And the way I look at it, and the, the reason why I'm always pushing going out to a third party. Now, when I'm talking to a city agency, I, I drop the liability bomb because the li- they, they, they hear that and they're like, oh, my God, liability. Yeah, that perks everybody up. Yeah. Uh, but that's one element of it. And that's almost like the catch, all right, to pull that city agency into actually listening. And while it is important, I think the important fact is when you go to a third party training, they have the numbers to back up their findings, right? right. So you go to smaller departments, we might have trained 30 people, okay, within our department. And we've had an amazing success rate. And I would put what we, you and I have done up against any training throughout the country and we would meet or exceed it. But the fact of the matter is it's only with 30 people, Correct. <laughs> right? 100%. It's not with 12,000. It's not with 20,000. And when you have that base of 20, 15, you know, 12,000 people, you can pull that out and you can see the subtle differences where things have worked very, very well, where things could be improved because it's a numbers game. Absolutely. So the best training is going to come from a third party because they're able to adjust the curriculum to match what the students' needs are. And on top of that, if you're a business, you want to stay in business. And to stay in business, you need to deliver the best product possible. So you're always getting that revamp of of training through, you know, repetition and consistency within, within how you train. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Also, it's standardized as well. Yeah. So there's a, if you are getting trained from, you know, that's entity is training this department, that department or this department, they're following the same curriculum. Yeah. And, and that's and- the most important thing. It's not that it's it's not tweaking per department for your macro trainings. And that consistency is what's going to allow them to review their core topics in or their core training elements and focus on what works and what doesn't work to give the end user, which would be the drone pilots, the best possible class to and, keep them in business. Correct, <laughs> like, correct. And now, and going back to the department and micro training, there's specific need for it, right? Training within your operational area and getting and getting members within your department that are senior pilots to actually help dictate how that will operate. Uh, but also what it does is the department as a whole is it allows a department to kind of stay in their lane and focus what they're good at when they do these micro trainings. And you say, well, you should departments should have a broad way of operation of how they operate. And that's true. But what what these focused micro trainings do, it allows you to um, almost monetize your department and create a standardization across the country, which we're trying to do, right, across the board everywhere with, uh, with with public safety. We need standardization, right, because standardization can be repeated. It's tested, right, and that's why standardization is so important. So when you look at these micro-trainings, and we'll take New York, for example, and we're operating in the urban environment. Now, we do it very well, and we've narrowed it, <laughs> we've, but we've we've – focused all of our energy on doing it very well. So if we're in Chicago, if Chicago starts up a UAS program and they want to learn about how to operate in the urban environment, 
Well, New York City is probably the closest one that resembles, closest city that resembles Chicago. So why don't they come out and be trained by us, right? By subject matter experts. That same holds true for that wildland management, for the hazmat, for search and rescue, for everything. If you are focused on your trainings for that environment, well, then become the standardization throughout the country for how it's operated, how you operate UAS in that environment. On top of standardization, it creates monetization, right? And allows for your department to actually pull in other departments to get trained. Because at least in the fire service, we're a insurance policy for the city and we cost the city money. If you can actually bring money into your department and money into that city, so win on all levels. Absolutely. Uh, so establishing a micro training and how to do it safely, correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your takeaway on on that? What recommendations do you have to give to other departments that would allow them to say, "Hey," because most of them, let's face it, they're doing this now. Anybody they, they are, they are. It, they are, but. They're. We want to make sure that, you know, they are doing it and they're doing it the right way. Well, I, I think a good takeaway on it is that with micro training, you go back to those foundational elements. Right. And how would I fly? Um, how would I fly a search and rescue mission? Well, here's the structure for search and rescue. Right. And now I'm going to take that structure. And I'm going to tailor it and tweak it. I might not even have to with a lot of these elements. Right. But I might have to take some of these elements and just tweak it slightly to fit our day-to-day operations. And that comes from repetition. That comes from repetition in in flight within your department. And you start to notice these subtle nuances. And you can actually start creating SOPs and SOGs and start focusing on these micro trainings based on those subtle nuances that are standalone from those foundational trainings. Excellent. So... Let's say I'll give you a topic and we'll do payload delivery for, you know, person in the water. Okay. Um, single payload deployment. They're using, we'll say, an M300, you know, just to make it. Right. Easy. Doesn't even, we don't even have to worry about the device. Let's just talk about person in the water. Okay. Now, we are in the middle of the country and we're, and you have a department or an agency that's operating at, um, I don't know, um, Lake no name. <laughs> okay. And this is how they operate. And this is how they structure their payload delivery for a person in the water. Now I take that and I put that use case in New York city, right? Now, a lot of our operations that take place on the water are reclaimed land. Okay. So now we have to deal with steel and concrete and everything else that's actually underneath what we think is land, but it actually isn't. It's more of just a pier that's been filled in. (laughs) Yeah. So what happens with that? Well, we have magnetic interference. We have all these issues at the ground level that in Lake No Name you don't have, right? So you have to tailor how you operate by maybe pulling away from the shoreline and flying into that environment. Right. As opposed to Lake No Name, where you can operate from the shoreline because you don't have any issues. So it's finding those subtle differences between how you operate in your area and how your fundamental training operates. And now take that same use case. We'll we'll use New York City payload deployment operating from or around a pier 
or reclaimed land, we pull back and we go and we go down to, we'll say, we'll go to Los Angeles. And same thing, peers mm -hmm. reclaim land in that big city environment. That tactic will work in Los Angeles. That'll that tactic Boston. will work. It'll work in Miami. It'll work Charleston. anywhere where where a city is expanding to a rate that it needs to push into that shoreline to create more more land. And you get that in every major city. Exactly. And that's just, you know, one, you know, concept. Obviously, we could go down the rabbit hole and come up with thousands of these little nuances, which do make a difference. And the key takeaway is for departments to reach out to other departments if you're looking for a use case and see how they're doing their trainings based on, you know, criteria that you know that you have in common with that city agency or that township or, you know, whatever the case may be. That And, and, that, and that, that only comes with transparency and departments and agencies need to realize that you need to, if you want to do, if you want to do better, then you need to be transparent. So everybody else is transparent. And then you can go to those other departments and agencies and pull in the knowledge from them back into your department. I mean, it's really the, it, it, it's you have to you have to open yourself up to show that everybody else should open up. And in yeah. turn, that comes right back into your department through that that, you know, that solid knowledge base. Absolutely. And just to be clear, too, um, micro training doesn't only count for UAS. It's any no. piece of equipment that's for no, your operation. Yeah, totally across the board. Yeah. Um, like we use a wireless HDMI system to get our video feed from the UAS to the incident commander. And we constantly are drilling and working with this piece of equipment to troubleshoot it in the event of we're at an emergency or an event and we have some sort of troubleshooting that needs to be done. That would literally, you know, stop our incident commander from receiving that video feed. So it's in paramount that we understand what's going on and how to fix and mitigate that situation correctly and in a timely manner. Yeah, it, it, this again, this micro training, it's happening. It just needed a name attached to it. You know, even as firefighters, we went from micro training for our bailout systems where we're diving, you know, testing out our bailout systems out the window and how to deploy. Right. That's micro training. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes down to it, it just didn't have a, a name attached to it. I think by actually naming it, you're you're bringing it to the forefront and you're shedding light on and how departments and agencies should operate across the country. Excellent. Now, is it something that departments can start maybe pushing this out to other departments? Um, is this something that you would want to take um, training documents from other departments or training outlines from other departments and start building a database within our there, there public safety be a platform. There should be a database. There should. I mean, it's public record now. You, you get people that come up to us and they're like, "Oh, what's your co? You know, what's your co like? I wish I could get a hold of it." Well, it's public record. Here you go. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea but, and, behind but, this is to build a database of you know different trainings that could be pushed out. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I there's think plenty of I organizations, you just spoke for one, <laughs> that would be willing to host this information and yeah. make it, just make the whole UAS operation, especially on the public safety side, just more transparent, easier to navigate for these not, newer departments that are starting up. Not only that, uh, by, by having that database and having people 
I want people to come. I, I like when people come to me and say, I don't think you're doing this right. <laughs> I, I like hearing that. Absolutely. And because and, I want that feedback and then that back and forth. Well, I'm doing it this way because or you know what? You're right. This could be changed. This could be better. And I think yeah. when you have that database, it allows people to come in and question actually how you do it. And if you are doing it correctly and eventually with all those with all those faces and all people coming together and focusing on those specific elements, you're going to narrow it down to the, the, the perfect training exercise. Absolutely. And, and- but you need that. You need those people to question. Right. And you yeah. don't and it's difficult to get within a department. You almost need to reach outside the department to have people question how you're operating, why you're doing it. And by having that database, it allows that. Yeah. And also it allows for feedback. Um, yeah. You know, we do, like I said, we brought up search and rescue before, but we might, our search and rescue, I mean, let's face it, if you're lost in Central Park, you walk in any direction. <laughs> go right, you're, go, right you, go left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just pick one and march. You know what I mean? But um, realistically, we're going to do different Yes. Things different for our search and rescue that Colorado is not going to do that. You know, Kansas, if you're lost in like a cornfield somewhere, is going to do things a little differently. Um, We're not doing so, grid searches. It's going to be like, and you had stated this a, a couple of days yeah, ago. Yeah, put it up in that. the air and flash the lights. All right, walk yeah, towards that. I'm going to put a siren on and just walk towards the siren. Or, you know, yeah. or walk until you hit somebody walking on the butt and ask, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you see the pigeon lady from home environment alone. and everything. It doesn't when when you take that and you push that out to some sort of uh, you know very rural area. Well, then you have to go by a specific a different structure. Correct, and also allowing you know the same use case. We'll say search and rescue, and then different feedback from different parts of the country. It will eventually lead to one standardized way of doing right. search and rescue, which is at least applicable to every, you know, geographic location, and then just has to have little minor tweaks mm-hmm. for, you know, nuances within your department or right. the equipment that you're operating with. But this solid foundation for that search and rescue procedure will work universally. Yeah. Um, and then just has to be adjusted slightly. Mm-hmm. So definitely. I like it. And that's the that's the uh, the quick the, the quick answer to to what micro training is, I guess, and the need for it, right? Yeah, that, that absolutely. Well. It was actually a really good um, thing down in Virginia with with drone responders. I'm, I'm glad I was a part of it. Charles was uh, gracious enough to uh, to allow us there to speak. So, excellent. Well, hopefully, he'll be gracious enough to. To host this <laughs> list of of public safety micro trainings that might be coming his way, um, totally. I'm pretty totally. sure I'm pretty sure he'll be 100 percent down for it. He's all about advancing the community. I just want to take the time out and say, you know, if he's listening, thank you for uh, allowing Mike to speak. I know sometimes he's long winded, but he does have a lot of information. <laughs> and more importantly, I think. Um, you know, I think he's all for advancing, you know, public safety oh, totally. and operations yeah. uh, on any way he can. And um, yeah. definitely I'll reach out to him or you'll reach out to him. We'll both reach out to him. And uh, maybe uh, we could get this party started with uh, a database of different micro trainings to put out. I know that we over at Props, we're working on a list of micro trainings specifically 
to start this list off because we see a need along with our macro trainings to push these micro trainings specific to the department that we're going to be instructing or working with. So we see the need to have micro training as a part of not only of their original training, but to bring them the core fundamentals of how to create micro trainings yeah. when they get newer equipment and what to do with that equipment and how to set it up and make these uh, procedures and which will now in turn, you know, do their mission objectives, their pre-flight checklists, their this, their that. And they basically their whole, your whole fundamental structure really revolves around micro trainings and understanding your equipment as a whole. So yeah. it is a huge core concept with a small name, <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. But now it's out there. Now it's out there in the world. So, so hopefully, yes. hopefully the, uh, the name catches on and, and the concept catches on. You know, I, I think it, I think it's, like I said before, it has caught on, just didn't have a name attached to it. Um, and it just needed a, a name to kind of spearhead it and get it in the right direction. So I'm glad it's there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that this is a, a wrap. A wrap. I, I think we pretty much good one. You know, discussed it, everything about it. And for more information, I mean, you can reach out to Mike directly. His phone number is <laughs> 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 no, But uh, definitely feel free to hit us up on uh, Props Public Safety or shoot us a, an email or LinkedIn or whatever. And we can easily help you figure out, you know, if your micro training would be adequate, inadequate, or if you just need, you know, an idea to get a better understanding of the whole concept totally. as a whole or to network with another department that you might have a similar use case. We'll be able to point you guys. Yeah, in the right we're direction. rolling it together. We're trying to create that standardization. This is one way. So I'm excited. Absolutely. Good stuff. Oh, John. Uh, let's wrap it up, Mikey. All right. You do it. Thank you for attending this episode of Props Public Safety. For <laughs> I was going to call it a forecast. <laughs> I'm looking outside. The it's forecast really beautiful, for props but I'm, I'm in here. Yeah, I'm, I've been here talking to you. All right. That wraps up another Props Public Safety Podcast. I'm Mike Wall. I'm John Wakey. Thanks again. Stay safe, fly safe, and we'll see you at the next one. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us at the Props Public Safety Podcast. If you want to take flight with our hosts and learn more about our public safety education program, go to propsflightschool.com and click the public safety button.